You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Phantomaniacs, it's your old pal Phantom Troublemaker, and I'm here, fresh from TimeGate, with some all new content that I honestly didn't expect to have for you guys. Uh, thanks to the lovely director Faber at ESONetwork.com, uh, I've got audio from the first ever Needless Things toy panel, which I had at TimeGate. Uh, I hosted. Director Faber was my assistant, and he recorded it on his handy-dandy, whatever-the-hell kind of recording device he uses. Uh, I want to go ahead and remind you that Needless Things is available on iTunes, on Stitcher, and from Podbean. Uh, I don't have any sponsors yet, but maybe one day I'll get there. Uh, but anyway, it was really awesome to be able to do this toy panel at TimeGate, and I pretty much hijacked it. Uh, months ago, a couple months ago, sometime around the beginning of the year, Director Faber sent me an email with a list of panels that we had been invited uh, as the ESO Network to participate in, to be panelists on, to comment, if you will. And I, I wrote down the ones that I thought sounded interesting to me, which were a DC Comics versus Marvel Comics panel, a Return of the Jedi slash Future of Star Wars panel, and uh, an Elementary panel. This, that sounded like enough for me. I didn't want to overdo it because this is the first con where I've had a lot of panels going on. I didn't want to go too crazy. And then a few weeks ago, I looked at the time gate schedule, and I saw that I was on the first two panels, uh, the elementary panel at 3 p.m. on Saturday, as well as a toy panel hosted by the ESO Network guys at 1 p.m. on Saturday. And then I, I managed to worm my way into the Star Trek panel, because I really wanted to talk about Into Darkness. But this toy panel... Nobody ever said anything about it. Uh, nobody directly told me about it. And I saw that, and I said, fuck that, I'm running that shit, uh, as, as one does. So I went out to Billy's Toys, and I bought some classic Doctor Who figures. I did a little bit of research, and I kicked in the door, and I ran that panel. So this is it. That's what we've got today. Uh, I had a great time at TimeGate. Uh, I got to meet Colin Baker. We got to do a special interview uh, with about seven of us and Colin Baker, and it was pretty amazing. I was sitting not two feet away from the guy. I, I could have reached out and tickled his knee, uh, which probably would have startled him even more than when he turned around and saw my masked mug waiting to answer, uh, ask him a question. And you can find that on the ESO network, that, that Q&A in its entirety. Unfortunately, I don't have anything else from the weekend. Uh, I, I didn't think to get audio, 
and it just you no, know, there, there aren't even pictures of the elementary panel, which was actually my favorite one. Uh, I got to sit with a guy named Lewis Robinson, who actually worked for the BBC for many, many years. Uh, worked on Doctor Who, uh, classic Doctor Who, as a matter of fact. So that was great, and I don't have any pictures of it, nothing. But it was an experience, and I remember it. But anyway, what I've got here for you today, it's just kind of a special little little something. Obviously, you're going to miss out on the visuals. Uh, I, I wish I had thought to get video of this, but even if I had, I don't know how I would present it to you because the panel was an hour long, and you can only I can only upload 15 minutes worth of, of uh, video on YouTube right now, and I, I don't feel like cutting it up into three pieces, blah, blah, blah. So I, I didn't bother to get it on video. But Director Faber got it on audio, and that's what we have today. So uh, all I do is I talk about the history of Doctor Who toys as best I know it. I talk about the Daypole stuff. I talk about the underground stuff. And uh, we go to a lot of different places, but it all relates to Doctor Who toys. And I listened to it before I actually put it together here because I wanted to make sure it was worth listening to. And I sat and listened to the whole thing, and it's pretty cool, even without the visual aids of the toys, because I brought a suitcase full of toys, because if I'm going to run a panel, I am not going to fuck around. So I've got a whole suitcase full of toys that I brought set up on the table. Uh, I passed them around. I let everybody look at them. And yeah, I know there was the possibility somebody might decide to try and pocket something or, or whatever. Something could have gotten broken. But I was going to have a good panel, damn it. Uh, I wasn't going to let, you know, worry about replacing a, a $15 piece of plastic keep me from having the best damn panel at the convention. And as of right now, I have five out of five stars on that panel uh, in the TimeGate app. So I've got to say, I think I did a great job. And this could be a precursor to a DragonCon toy panel. I don't think I'll actually be running it, uh, uh, though I certainly would. And uh, But I, I think I'm going to be on one, and I think it's going to be pretty awesome, so definitely stay tuned to see what happens there. Anyway, that's all about, uh, about all I've got for today. Uh, let's go ahead and get right into the panel, and I'll be back at the end with a couple more words and a huge announcement for the Needless Things podcast. Good. We're okay. All right. Don't worry. We'll get to this stuff. And if everybody behaves themselves and somebody can answer a couple of very specific questions, I have a Daypaul Ace and a Daypaul Seventh Doctor to give away. Oh. As as I announced that, I'd like to remind everybody that you can rate this panel as as soon as it's over. So, uh, not not that that's any sort of bribery or anything. <laughs> Let's just stand. But do keep that in mind. I'm going to stand. I, I need to move around. Is that okay with everybody? I'm not going to intimidate you if I'm up moving around the whole time, because i got to get to all this stuff. Uh, okay, so, welcome to the Earth Station One Network presents the Needless Things Celestial Toy Room. Uh, I'm Phantom Troublemaker. This is Director Faber. 
and we're just going to talk about Doctor Who toys today. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to throw out there, please do. I'm by no means, you know, the be all end all, end all of indoor. Be all indoor. I just came off of a Star Wars panel last <laughs> night. It's still going. Um, I'm not the be all end all of Doctor Who toy knowledge, but I can talk a lot, so that's why I'm here. Uh, obviously, everybody loves Doctor Who, right? Okay. Now, how many of you found Doctor Who, let's say, back in the 80s or even earlier than that? So when you were kids, you wanted Doctor Who toys very, very badly. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have often said I would have sold one of my mother's pinky toes just to have a Tom Baker action figure. Uh, and, And I spent years and years and years of my life just dying for Doctor Who toys, because I'm a collector. I I collect all kinds of different toy lines, and, you know, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, uh, on and on and on. Uh, And Doctor Who never happened for a very long time, and that was my big passion, uh, because I saw the five Doctors when I was a very little kid, and it stuck with me, and I absolutely loved it, and then found Tom Baker later on, on PBS, as I'm sure many of us did, and it just, uh, it's, it's been in my heart ever since. I love it. But there was always this thing where you couldn't get toys. Uh, Now, over across the pond, as they say, they had these little guys. Uh, Originally, in 1988, Daypaul, who made model railroads, and that was it. That was their only experience. But they got the license to make Doctor Who toys. Uh, Now, 88 seems kind of far in. You're kind of wondering, 26 years well, they, had, they did have a lot of, you know, this is me, the historian, talking about Sure, go for it. Um, That's why you're here. You know, during the 1960s, Doctor Who was extremely popular over in Great Britain, and a lot of the Doctor Who toys were based off the Daleks and such. Um, you know, what they actually had a documentary came out about five years ago, six years ago, called Dalek Mania, and, which was amazing. And it showed, you know, how much... Doctor Who merchandise there was, but it was mostly all based off the Daleks, because the Daleks were so popular. Well, they were the big licensing hit for the show. Exactly. I mean, the show itself, you know, obviously everybody knew it, but the that iconic imagery of the Dalek, I mean, that was what they were putting well, on ex- mugs exactly. and vinyl toys and, and you banks. You saw mugs, you saw wind-up toys, you know, you had Dalek wind-up toys that sparked as you... They moved and everything. Because let's face it, the Dalek, I mean, that's a more recognizable image than some old guy in a coat. As far as kids, yes, what you got? And wasn't that largely because Terry Nation made sure he kept uh, control over Daleks? Exactly. He he was the pre-George Lucas, George Lucas. (laughs) He he knew what he was doing. And that's why you saw Dalek Invasion of Earth. And, you know, Dalek Invasion, was it, 2049? Yeah, featuring the amazing Peter Cushing as as Doctor Who. And which was amazing stuff. And that's also why those were not BBC productions. Those were movie productions that were done. And they're actually coming out on Blu-ray. In the next couple months. Yes, and we will be discussing them on Earth Station Who, which yeah. is the Doctor Who podcast that we both host. Uh, we'll be discussing those as soon as we can. Exactly. So, you know, but since then, there was, after the like late 60s, there was a lull in Doctor Who toys and such, which is kind of surprising with, like, the John Purby era and such. But during the Tom Baker era, that's when it really started taking off again. Slowly but surely, they had some smaller merchandise things. But then in the late 80s, that's when 
they figures. finally got into action figures and play sets. And, you know, it's neat that I've got these. If you guys want to pass these around and take a look at them, and you can check them out. They're not the best action figures on the planet. Uh, far from it. But the likenesses aren't bad. And for 80s toys, I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're probably uh, comparable to the knockoff G.I. Joes that you would see back in the day. But if you look at them, the paint schemes on some of them is pretty amazing. The doctor's sweater looks fantastic. Ace has her patches and badges and whatnot and looks really, really nice. Uh, but they're very simplistic. You can see seams uh, showing through on some of them. It's, it's, uh, but Dave Hall, again, they made model trains. They didn't make action figures. Uh, I wish I had a TARDIS playset, obviously, because they had this still, even with the new Doctor Who toys, they still have not topped their TARDIS playset because it was a full TARDIS similar to that one, except that it opened up and the interior walls had the... Uh, the round patterns on them to be the walls of the TARDIS and the control room was inside and it lit up and it made noises and I mean it, it's really a fantastic toy and if I ever found one that you know I wouldn't have to <laughs> sell my soul to get right. I would definitely pick it up and it was done in many different ways exactly and a friend of mine actually referred it very much to what Miko was doing like with the back cave and such right but, for, but it was for Doctor Who which was really really cool yeah and it, and it wasn't the uh, the vinyl like Migo was doing it, right. it was actual plastic pieces I mean hinges and everything it was, it was a very nice piece and it was available in many many different ways it's not like it's really that hard to find it's just that all of the pieces get lost one thing or another but they released lots of different TARDIS sets with the fourth Doctor the seventh Doctor uh, a couple of Daleks came with one there were lots of different ways you could get this set because uh you know, any toy company, the money is all in tooling the toy. That's where it costs them money. Once they've created that tool, they can mold it over and over and over again as many times as they want. And the TARDIS, you know, certainly, even since then, the exterior hasn't changed very much. But the console room, for a very long time, looked pretty much the same. So they just kept releasing that thing over and over again. But uh, they, they definitely... I mean, these were magic to me the first time I ever saw these these small scale figures uh, I think it was a Silurian which I've actually got that fellow there that's the first one I ever saw it was at a booth in Dragon Con I was I don't know how old I was it was pre-high school and it was two hundred dollars, <laughs> and because uh, Doctor Who merchandise was scarce here in the United States, they did event. You know, every once in a while, you'd see like at a specialized toy shop or something like a Tom Baker figure or right. something, but it would be imported from England. Well, and that was the thing is, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's different now. Yeah, you've got toy importers that are based here that sell online, and because of the internet, you can get whatever you want. Exactly. I mean, that's that's why now. As much as it is amazing to be able to own all of these things, it's not, you know, it isn't the same challenge as it was back in the day to get a hold of these little guys. But uh, they're, you know, they did all kinds of different things. This one right here, this is actually a paint adalic model kit. Uh, it's got a resin base and a pewter top and instruments there, and you paint it however you want. You can take a look at that if you want. You just paint it up whatever colors you want. It's got a little guide on the back, but uh, I'll be painting mine green and purple. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why. <laughs> right. But I wanted to wait until after you guys had gotten a chance to see the bare form before I got into that one. But, you know, Dave Paul, 
they made some really iconic stuff, and, and the king of 1980s action figures was three and three-quarter inch. But they lost the license in 2002. BBC decided not to renew it because at that point there was nothing going on. Uh, and, it, and, you know, really there, there was no point in maintaining an action figure line. They hadn't put anything out since 96 because when the TV movie came out, that's when these little guys, which they, they pop right out of the card, like these, these are all uh, reissues that were done in 96 for the uh, TV movie. So they're the same thing as the original carded versions. Uh, I think this one's one of the 88 ones, but they're just in cheapo packaging, and they just threw them out there just to cash in on the movie. So 2002 to 2007, I believe it was, there were no toys. There's nothing going on. I don't even think you could get the old canvas tote bag. Do you guys remember the canvas tote bag? I remember when I was a kid, uh, they played Trial of the Time Lord all in one Saturday night. It was during one of the PBS marathons where they try and raise money for the station. And if you donated $50, you could get a beautiful Doctor Who canvas tote bag. And just because there was no other Doctor Who merchandise available, I wanted that canvas tote bag so bad. I don't know what I was going to do with it, because no kid's going to go to school with a canvas tote bag. Where is What, you got yarn in that thing, really? Uh, yes, I'm making a really long scarf. But uh, I wanted it so bad, but my mom was like, no, I'm not paying $50 for a canvas tote bag. So I, my, my heart was broken, but I lived on, and luckily, we got new Doctor Who toys. But before they did that, the, basically what he was saying, PBS was the, basically the only place you were able to get Doctor Who merchandise here in the States at the time. And that was only during pledge drives. They had, like he said, the canvas tote bags and such. But they also had um, the disappearing TARDIS coffee mug, yeah. which, um, you know, when you added the heat to it, the TARDIS disappeared. I was old enough to tote, but I was definitely too young to be drinking coffee, so that was out of the Do you know if that was stuff that they were getting from the BBC? I believe that was all licensed stuff. It was all licensed material. I I think it was part of a deal. Now, uh, you know, I I think BBC was basically like, okay, you have a deal to broadcast Doctor Who. Here's here's a bunch of stuff. Stuff we had sitting in the warehouse, you you know, pretty much. And what they decided to do with it was to use it to raise money for the networks. I'm pretty sure, you know, that's that's a pretty fair guess. Because at the time, the only place Doctor Who was appearing was the Big Finish audios that were popping up from 99 on. And then also Doctor Who was still appearing in comics in Britain at the time. uh, Because Marvel owns the license to... Doctor Who in England. And those are some zany comics if you can track them down. There's yes. some collections out there and they're, they're worth your while. Yeah. You got guys like Grant Morrison writing Doctor Who comics. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we... In the interim between these guys and these guys we got that guy. That might be a little bit of a familiar face. Uh, I am not even familiar. Product Enterprise Limited I don't even know who that is, and I don't think they make anything anymore, but they had the Doctor Who license for about a year, and they put out a couple of toys. And this one actually got distribution in America. You've got Fourth Doctor in a bizarre scale and a crazy face. You've got a little canine, motorized. Let's see if we can make that happen. 
Way to go, K9. Yeah. Um, and that's how good he worked on the TV show also. Right, exactly. That's a perfect simulation of K9. He's got a little bag of jelly babies. And a sonic screwdriver's in there somewhere. Take my word for it. But uh, what's crazy about this guy is they went to the trouble. They, they, you know, they gave him a little fabric scarf here. And he has arm joints and a neck joint, and then you're done. He's basically just a little statue. Let's see if he still talks. I'm a time lord. I've been around, you know. Two hearts, a spiritual bypass system. I have lived seven out of the 50 years without learning something. Wait, we can do better than that. A little irrational of me. But human beings are quite my favorite species. Oh. oh, exactly. It's nice. So it's a uh, it's it's a very well made. It's got a great likeness, and I mean, you've got to love that scarf on him. You can pass that one around if you'd like to. They also had a Leela, if I remember correctly. Did they? Yes. Really, I missed the Leela. Now that's really awful because she's easily my favorite of the companions. Yes. Do you know what year that came out? Uh, I would guess that was ninety eight or nine. I don't think there was a date here because I checked all this stuff out earlier. Yeah, the only dates they tend to put on these are 1963, which is not helpful. Yes. But, uh, oh, 2003. Yes. So, so it's later than I thought it was. This is right before the series actually came back. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it was exciting. I saw that thing in previews, and, you know, that's how rare they were. I, I couldn't believe it was what it was, because that is the first Doctor Who toy that I owned. And uh, it's—I mean—it's really neat. It's—it's it's not exactly the most uh, action-heavy thing you're ever going to see, but the fact that I had a little talking Tom Baker sitting on my shelf with a formerly talking canine uh, is pretty awesome. And then, of course, in 2005, the show came back. The show came back, which we are all very thankful for. And uh, since BBC, I think, has learned a thing or two about merchandising since the original run, now we have. Tons and tons and tons of Doctor Who merchandise. Uh, the very first thing I got out of the new stuff was that tenant figure right there and a TARDIS bank, which doubled as a TARDIS playset. Because uh, they didn't actually make a toy TARDIS for a while. They were just focusing on the figures. But my parents went uh, over to Scotland, and I asked them to bring back anything Doctor Who they could find. Because it's still... It still wasn't to the point where it was easy to get over here like it is now. And they brought back that tenant, and uh, which this was before we had tenant over here. So they brought this back, and I was like, who is this? What? what is this? But uh, the TARDIS bank was, was fantastic. This, however, is the new... Oh, there they go. Um, this is the newest version of the TARDIS. having these mics. It's got that. It does it all. Nice. Right, yeah. And then it uh, takes off as well. It's an awesome toy. I'm not going to perform this here because chances are it would go careening off into the audience and injure somebody severely, but there's even a little dial on the bottom that you can hold it like that and spin it around and get another sound effect out of it. It's 
Awesome, awesome toy. G.I. Joe hasn't done anything this cool. Nobody has. One of the best toys I've ever owned. Is that the flight control? Yes, flight control TARDIS. It's available on its own. This is the 11th Doctor's, uh, but they've also done a couple of different versions. There's a uh, 7th Doctor version, and I want to say a 4th Doctor version. And a 1st. Is there a first? Is, now, is that one a flight control, though? It has sound effects, not, not all. Yeah, I don't think it does everything, but I do, I do think it has the open doors with the, the interior noise. They don't have the spinning effect. Okay. But they do have the liftoff and landing. And yeah, and, and that's what's nice is the underground toys, the people that make these new Doctor Who toys, really put so much detail into them. This TARDIS is an entirely different sculpt from the classic TARDISes. They don't just repaint it. They don't just change the deco on the front. It's an entirely different toy. So they're not getting away with anything like a lot of toy companies do. Like you look at somebody like Mattel or Hasbro, and you're going to see the same figure used over and over and over again just with different paint apps. And, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's really disappointing. But underground, uh, you know, you've got Tom Baker, Red Tom as I like to call him, this is an entirely different figure from the other Tom Baker figures, and they could have gotten away with repainting one of the other ones uh, red, and they didn't. He's even got uh, he's even got his boots on, everything. You guys can take a look at that too if you want to. It's a fantastic figure, which is really neat because they actually started you know doing every single character that was appearing in the new series, the major ones, and they went series by series. And some of the minor ones. Exactly. <laughs> some you didn't even want figures for. Uh, right. And it was interesting to see, and it was mostly, at first, it was available mostly in the UK, but then they started coming and flooding the market, mostly online at first, in the US. Um, nowadays, they've gotten to the market where certain Toys R Us and such even have Doctor Who figures. Toys R Us is carrying them. Hot Topic is carrying them. Uh, you can order them through previews now. They're getting distributed through them. So you can go to your local comic shop, pick up a previews, and they've got Doctor Who toys in there that you can have within a couple of months, if not sooner. Some of them are exactly. in stock. You exactly. can get them immediately. And it's an amazing thing to think I've got, you know, at home I've got four feet by six feet, all Doctor Who. Exactly. And it's awesome. His, like, it's such a great thing. His basement is literally the toy store... But everybody wants. It's it's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this right here, and I'm sure some of you guys have seen this. I'm sure they've got one in the dealer room. This is my favorite toy purchase that I've ever made. Uh, and granted, it'll at some point it will be obsolete because we will have more than eleven doctors. As a matter of fact, we might already. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> uh, oh gosh, how nice would it be to have? I know. Oh. But anyway. Give them time. This is, yeah. It'll, oh, yeah, they'll get there. The only problem is it'll be a tiny one. We'll, we'll talk. We'll get there. Oh, I know. We'll get there. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. We'll talk I'll about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is great. All 11 doctors. Uh, each of them, they've kind of picked their most iconic, uh, I, I want to say fanciest look. Uh, they didn't necessarily go with, uh, you know, with that Tom Baker He's got a different scarf, completely different jacket, and the shoe detail on that is amazing. I mean, they went they went in and painted up the wingtips and everything. These are almost like special editions of each Doctor. They're, they're just slightly better paint decos uh, than all the other ones. The heads are going to be different than the single-packed figures, and this is the only way you can get each of these guys. Um, if you all want to take a look at that, too, you can pass that around. Which was then, really uh, cool about this was... Originally, it was all new series figures they were putting out at the time. 
And when they put out the, after they put out the box set, that's when they started making the old series figures. Well, they actually kicked off the uh, original series figures. Uh, classic Doctor Who got its own wave of figures. That was oh, they don't have them listed. Okay, it was a Zygon, the Fourth Doctor, and a bunch of other figures. But uh, it was it was a wave where you could build the K one robot from Tom Baker's very first story. And this is what started off that big. It yeah, really it's cool. awesome, and I don't have it because I can't find two of the figures you need to make it. Or, well, I can find them, but I'm not spending like 70 bucks a piece on them. Come on. Uh, but they launched a classic line just to see how it would do because obviously, you know, they're, they're, you'd think there would be a market for that sort of thing. And it took off. It went crazy. It sold, sold out exactly. in no time, which is why I can't find those last two figures. Uh, so from there, they put this box set together, and then after the box set, they officially launched Doctor Who Classics as its own separately branching line. Now, we'll get to just how separate it is in a minute. But, uh, again, the classic figures, they have to go through the likenesses again. Because right now, to do somebody who's currently on the show, uh, most of the actors that appear on the show, a likeness deal is part of the deal they sign to be on the show. With the classics, a lot of the contracts have run out or they have to deal with the estates of people who've passed away. So it's been a little slower process getting some of the key uh, characters out. We just recently got our very first figures of Joe Grant and the Brigadier. And these are some of the finest figures that they've released so far. Uh, they're really getting better with articulation. It's a funny thing you'll notice. When you take a look at this set here, this figure of the Ninth Doctor in the back, Christopher Eccleston, it has minimal articulation. It's posed as opposed to being neutral where you can pose him how you want. And this is how the line started out. There was a Christopher Eccleston and a uh, Billy Piper that they did, and they both had sort of action poses, and there wasn't really very much you can do with them. They looked okay. And it was also hard for them to stand up in a case or something because right. because of the poses they were in. You had to brace them against something. And it was... Well, and that's the problem with static figures is when something does warp, uh, which often happens right here in the packaging, uh, if it gets warped the wrong way, they won't stand up at all. And that, that happens a lot with static figures. So it's nice to have a little posability. But check out the, uh, the Ninth Doctor figure in there. And then the Tenth Doctor in front of him in the regeneration set there is the sort of the second evolution of the figures. You can see he's got more articulation. Uh, he, his proportions are slightly better. It's, it's just a bit of a nicer figure. And since then, they've gotten to the point where they've done ball-jointed shoulders now. Uh, they've actually got a little better bicep articulation. I mean, overall, you've just got nicer figures with with every year, it seems they've, like. They've actually had to re-release the Ninth Doctor because of that. Yes. Yeah, they've actually gone back and hit on some of the older, more primitive figures. Uh, there's a newer Ninth Doctor that has very nice articulation. It's, it's in line with, with uh, sort of the standards of the series. Uh, and they've also done very well. I didn't bring any of the little tiny sonic screwdrivers for what are probably obvious reasons, but the little sonic screwdrivers that come with these guys, uh, they're painted. They're not just little lumps of silver. They look fantastic. They've got detailing just like the larger versions do. Uh, and unlike your old Star Wars figures from the 70s, these figures can actually hold them. <laughs> so that's a nice change. Uh, and then the Cybermen and whatnot that come with rifles, blasters, etc. I'm sure everybody's very excited about the fact that there's a figure of Mickey, right? We all love Mickey. Yeah. 
Um, he Mickey comes with, with Mickey with a gun like this. Yeah, big. huge gun, but he can hold it. It's great. So I mean, this the underground toys. It's been amazing to watch them evolve since that first Ninth Doctor figure up to where we are now with figures that are really getting to the point where they're they're similar to the three and three quarter inch scale GI Joes in that they have a lot of flexibility, which I think is a good segue for the new figures. Okay, the new. If you don't know, there is a huge launch coming at the end of the year. Uh, Underground Toys is relaunching the modern Doctor Who line, but they are relaunching it at the old three and three quarter inch scale. (sighs) They're doing this because one, that's historically known as an action figure standard for boys' toys. Two, money. You can make a lot more little action figures. Uh, there's a bigger profit margin because you can sell a figure, you know, this size for ten dollars now, whereas a figure, you know, that big, fifteen. And they can make a whole lot more of these guys. They can make a whole lot more, and also sits on a shelf a lot easier because a lot of the toy stores have them already set up, the spacing already set up for the smaller figures. Yeah, you can do smaller packaging on them because now, I mean, look how ridiculous this is. This guy right here needs all of this. And when you go into Toys R Us, you know, you've got how many rows of this is practical for them to carry for a niche property like Doctor Who because as popular as Doctor Who may be, it's not Beyblade in the toy store. Um, you always have to, at the, when you go into Toys R Us, you have to search high and low for Doctor Who figures, yeah. especially here in the States. In the UK, it's very prevalent and everything on the shelves, but they even have end caps of Doctor Who and yeah. all that. But here in the States, when you try to go to a Toys R Us or something, a store, and you have to usually either look at like where the movie memorabilia is or where they actually have sometimes mixed in with the superheroes. Well, if they don't look at the planogram, they don't know where to put them. Exactly. Because they, they, they don't know how to categorize. Uh, I went into the Toys R Us up in, uh, where was it, Kennesaw recently, and we were looking at, uh, I was looking for Doctor Who figures, and the, the first person said, oh, Doctor Who, that was that old radio show from the 1950s, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, that's the one. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was literally... When we were um, looking at it, um, you know, they finally said, oh, let me look and see what they had. They had to dig through and behind other toys. They had a few sonic screwdrivers, and that was it and everything. Oh, you know, the stuff is, you know, the guy there was like, oh, we don't sell a ton of it. You go to an, another one over in Gwinnett, and they've they got plush TARDISes, they've got keychains, they've exactly. got four pegs full of the figures, they've got sonic screwdrivers. Now, granted, it's still not a huge presentation, but it's there. And the fact that I can walk into a Toys R Us now and see Doctor Who toys is wild. Part still geeks out. You're just like, oh, yeah, oh, every time. Even though I've been seeing them for months now, it's still like, wow, look, the that's first, the, the first doctor. time I went into a Toys R Us and I saw a radio control t- uh, Dalek, which was about this big, and I like freaked out. I bought it right on the spot. You know, my wife was like, "You're spending that much on a toy?" It's like, "Yes, dear." Yeah, because Toys R Us prices on these things are not great. You can typically get them online with shipping for less than what Toys R Us is charging. But there's just that thrill of walking it the into the store and pulling it off the peg and you know taking it up there, and it's Doctor Who, and you've just paid American cash for a Doctor Who toy. That's awesome. Yes. And uh, actually, it's nice that I grabbed this guy because this is another very cool thing 
that Underground Toys does is they, uh, in, in small ways and usually as con exclusives, have been acknowledging the world beyond televised Doctor Who. Uh, this is Colin Baker as he appeared in... So never on television. If you know Colin Baker, you know he never looked this classy. <laughs> Sorry, Colin. Uh, but as a Comic-Con exclusive figure, uh, they put him in this nice blue suit from real time, which was... Um, one of the big Finnish uh, audios. And because the story behind the Sixth Doctor is the, doc- the Sixth Doctor was a regeneration gone bad. And I know we don't have a ton of time to go. No, no, we got plenty of time. But, go for it. Um, That's what, what you're here for. What it basically, the sixth doc- what the Sixth Doctor was, he was healing as his character went on on the series. He, uh, we interviewed Colin yesterday, and he mentioned it, that it was a big picture plan that as his character went on he'd be becoming more doctor like instead of that's why he strangled Perry in the first episode that's why he was all around well that was just started. him acting for the audience <laughs> but with that being said he was you know with the character that's why he wore the awful colors in the outfit that's why eventually he'd be moving to this that was the plan the whole time was he'd be you know becoming well-adjusted and becoming the doctor. And if you listen to the audios, that's what he became. Speaking of Colin Baker, since Colin Baker is our uh, guest of honor this year, is there anybody in the room that can tell me? You might have seen a penguin walking around. No, don't say anything yet. Okay. Can tell me the name of that penguin. I saw your hand first. Very good. Do you want to talk about those little figures? And uh, this is another thing that has happened from Underground Toys, which is pretty awesome. They've got the master license, so they're the ones making everything. Uh, This is, it's a Lego ripoff. I mean, let's face it, that's what's happening here. Um, but a lot of people are doing it now. Hasbro's doing it. Um, you've got Mega Bloks that have been around for yes. years. So it's, it's, it's a big thing. But Underground uh, Toys uh, has had a line of building blocks for years, but typically they've done military-style stuff. Uh, and a few years ago, they launched a Doctor Who line. And they're really, really nice. You can see the minifigures, obviously. They've got a little bit more detail than your average Lego figure, which seems to be the way most of the companies doing Lego ripoff stuff. They like to make the minifigures a little more accurate, which is fine by me. I have no problem with that. Uh, and they've done a m- number of really awesome playsets. They have a TARDIS playset of the 11th Doctor's TARDIS that is just this massive, beautiful thing that's very expensive. Yeah. And they also have a uh, yeah. Cyberman factory. They also have an 11 Doctor set. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I actually got the... I've, that is my uh, 11 Doctor box set, and I got my son the uh, Lego-style 11 Doctor box set. It's really neat that they've got... They sort of went the same way with both lines. And that's what I like is the same company being over all of the brands is nice because it keeps everything streamlined. You know, you, you get the same same run of characters and you don't have to wonder why you have one character in one scale and you don't have them in another scale. Underground's been very good about giving all the different fans all the different characters. And that's something I appreciate about them. And actually, uh, speaking of that, that's I guess we need to get to the three and three quarter inch. We kind of jumped off there. Like, um, um, start for a second. Do you think the new design, the Cyberman specifically, will look more like Legos? 
<laughs> I think they redesigned him to look like Iron Man. Yeah. But uh, there, there seems to be a movement now, uh, to a certain extent, to make things that look cool as action figures. Uh, as merchandising and licensing becomes more and more important to different forms of media, uh, th- you know that's part of DC Comics' New 52 relaunch. Is all of those new designs? They're they're horrible in the comic books, but they look awesome as action figures. Uh, and that new Cyberman. Now, granted, I like the look of the new Cyberman, but they're going to make awesome action figures. The lines, the shape, everything—they're going to look fantastic. Uh, and, and I think there's an eye to that. The new Silurians that they did. Uh, even the new Ice Warrior is, while I love how much they retained of the classic look, uh, it is a bit more streamlined. It's a lot more mobile. And the toy that's coming out looks fantastic. The three and three quarter inch toys, here's the deal with those. Towards the end of the year, Underground is going to be doing a massive relaunch of the Doctor Who toy line. The modern Doctor Who series is coming in at three and three quarter inch scale. The classic series is going to remain five inch scale, which is one of the most frustrating things I've ever heard in my life. Because I, I, it's you know you're never going to be able to have Matt Smith's the new TARDIS interior set up with any of the classic guys. Well, I guess you can, but there's going to be a serious size problem going on. Uh, it's a time dilation thing. And yeah. when I first heard this news, I was very resistant to it. I'm, I still don't care for it, but uh, I am a chump, so I will be buying the new stuff, at least to check it out and review it on my site, needlessthingssite.com. Um, plug, plug. Yeah. But uh, they have a new TARDIS coming out. It's going to be tiny, but it has all the same functions as this TARDIS. Uh, the new figures. It looks like the articulation is actually beyond what we've been getting with the five-inch figures. Uh, from what I can tell in the test shots, uh, they've got ball-jointed shoulders, ball-jointed hips. Uh, they're, they're very advanced figures for the scale. And now, obviously, things can differ a great deal between production pictures and actual release in store. But the likenesses and the detailing actually look better than what we have on the five-inch figures. Because if you guys take a look at these, um, I'll pass a couple more around just so you can check them out. Uh, you look at them; the paint's nice. These are all hand painted. So, well, actually, I'll start over here. These are all hand painted. Uh, but the likenesses and the detailing sometimes they come off a bit soft. They're they're not quite as advanced as some of the other toy lines that are out there now, but it looks like the smaller scale, they're actually stepping it up a notch, uh, which they should because they're timing this to coincide with the 50th anniversary. Uh, I don't know yet what their plans for America are, though. Uh, They haven't said anything about American distribution. The only thing I can do is speculate that the presence of the toy line in Toys R Us is kind of a test to see what the market looks like. The only issue I have with that is the only characters Toys R Us is getting are Amy Pond and the Doctor in his cowboy hat. Yes. Which, uh, yeah, I mean... Well, that's what they think will sell. Right, exactly. And I I understand that logic, and that logic has plagued the toy world forever, and unfortunately consumers tend to prove it true time and time again when they continue to buy Dayglow Street Skater Batman and Alpine Rescue Superman or whatever. (laughs) You know, those things keep selling. So, you know, there is a certain amount of, you know, the, the consumers have proven the toy companies correct time and time again. I'm just wondering how well the Doctor and Amy being the only available characters are doing. But we'll 
We'll find out probably before the fall. I would imagine at Comic-Con, Underground usually has a presence there. Likely they'll have some kind of announcement about what they're going to be doing because we've got till November before these things uh, actually hit the streets. Well, uh, in July, online retailers will have them available, but their big push is going to be November. Of course, for the anniversary special. Right, exactly. Uh, so, and originally, I know they said that it was only going; they weren't going to reissue any of the older. Yeah, they've changed that plan. They changed that plan though, because so they're going to be reissuing figures that were already on the five-inch side into the three and a half inch. And it's kind of frustrating when you spent all this money and have all these like display cases full of Doctor Who figures, and you're going to have to buy them all over again if you want to collect them in the three and Well, and not only that, they're not going to mix. Right. Because everything I've got. Do oh, you go think ahead. that actually, and I, I agree with you with the size, but on the positive side, maybe there's a chance that they'll help spawn in, in the U.S. because, you know, okay, I'm a collector geek. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it. I'm going to keep it in the package. I'm going to display it, whatever. But as a parent... <laughs> You know, a ten dollar price point's much more willing to take a take a flyer on sure. a twenty dollar price. Point. Oh, very, sure, and that's very, what they're going. So that's so what they're. I, I think that actually might be a good thing if if it works because it, it it might help if it drives the interest to younger kids. Then that'll just perpetrate it. For oh, long. very much so. Right. That's why you're going to see. Once they go to the three and a half inch, you're going to see them at more Toys R Us. You're going to see them. Well, hope, hopefully, anyway. No, I, I predict you're going to see them at Toys R Us and Walmart and Target and stuff, um, especially during the holidays. You know, at least through the holidays, you're going to see them at those stores because the price point. The yeah. price point was what was turning them off. You're not going to see $20 action figures, $25 action figures or sets for $50 at a Walmart <laughs> or at a Target. Because, you know, when somebody can get a Superman action set for half the price... Uh, have you seen the new Superman sets? Yeah. but Oh, just, my gosh. Ridiculously overpriced. Of course. But I'm just saying that's... Right. Well, they've got to be in line with what's available, exactly. which is another reason for the scale change. Yep. Is when you go to the stores, you see lots of three inch figures, or three and a half, yep. three and a quarter inch figures, three and three quarter. Good gosh, yeah, you killed me by saying three and a half. Yeah, three great. and three quarter inch figures, lots of six inch figures. Uh, five inch, uh, that's a weird scale. Yeah, well, I've even noticed that Marvel's really pushed down to the three and three quarters. Yeah, they've only recently relaunched their six inch line, and it's uh, it's not doing all that hot people are still going after the three and three quarter inch and again it all comes down to retail space uh which is another reason for them to shrink the line now they can do play sets with the five inch scale uh you know the tardis play set that i've got is massive and the box that it came in was huge no retailer wants to devote that much shelf space to something but a three and three quarter inch play set you can you know you can get into a box that big easily uh and that's that's another advantage. And they've already got a few dioramas lined up. Uh, they've got a Dalek invasion diorama. They've got a uh, Weeping Angels yes. uh, diorama. They've got a lot of really cool things planned. Yeah, as long as they don't have the giant Statue of Liberty, I'll be happy. <laughs> I plan to just dress you up as the Statue of Liberty and let you run around the toy room. You can have that fantasy later, Diane. <laughs> oh, I will. Don't you worry. Um, and then also, in addition to all the toys, we haven't even talked about the role play stuff. Um, speaking of role playing, is the Statue of Liberty right? Exactly. Good. Um, we did. We we practiced that. You know, they've released a whole range of screen accurate sonic screwdrivers. I've, you've already got one. <laughs> 
Don't put them across the paths. Um, <laughs> that's one of the real deals, isn't it? Yeah, this is nicer than mine, but mine's bigger. Should have brought that back in the '80s. I call it the Sonic Monkey Wrench, but it's the first Sonic screwdriver ever came out with. Spirit of Light came out with it. It's about this long. <laughs> but it made the sound. If you had to put the batteries in it, it made the sound and everything. You had to press a little button on the back of it. Right. But it's literally that long. Is it modeled after the Fourth Doctor's? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, and that's that's an awesome thing. I didn't. Need, I wasn't even aware of that one. That's awesome. I don't know if you guys heard it. But a massively oversized fourth Doctor Sonic screwdriver came out sometime in the 80s. And uh, I think they did a little tiny one, too. Uh, I think they had scale problems, which they initially had scale problems with these reproductions as well. It's like the poles like you got over there. Right. Right, right, right. So it's it's kind of cool because especially now, like my son bought the Build Your Own Sonic Screwdriver set. They're letting kids be make kids with it, make their own, use their imagination. There's actually a whole range now of uh, tangentially science related Doctor Who sets. They've got a, uh, uh, it's, I think it's a Cyberman arm. Do you guys remember the old Armatron toy from the 80s? It was a robot yes. arm that could, you know, pick things up and it was really incredibly stupid but when you're a kid it was like wow I'm controlling this robot arm I could go choke somebody with it um, uh, I would imagine so I mean Eventually. the thing is anything that you can think of related to Doctor Who licensing I'm sure is on the table to some extent because they can make money you think they would put out recorders that would already be put a, out the 500 year you know, sure do a, do a very not, you know what I mean, it'd be a cheap but they, I actually see that coming as more of a prop replica type thing like right. a very limited edition high end uh, like with a plaque or something I'm not, I'm not sure because if you think about it you can just go buy a recorder I'm sure yeah. I'm not sure although you but, know what a blue uh, recorder with a Doctor Who logo on the side was blue with white stripes exactly and do a very specific uh, one that's very true well, it was also very cool. They also did the helmets. You saw the Cyberman helmet they had with the voice changer built into it. And they also did the Dalek head. And they also had the ugly human uh, Dalek uh, Which hybrid. You guys haven't lived until you've seen a little kid running around with just a Dalek head on. <laughs> like, and, and what's funny is that doesn't look as goofy as what they did in Daleks in New York. So good job on that one. Back in the 80s, they had all these Doctor Who conventions going on in Georgia. That was the good time. You got to to meet him and party with him. But uh, I was showing a friend of mine, Doctor Who. He'd never seen it before. He got really hooked on it. His son at the time, his son's grown now. He's got kids of his own. Mm -hmm. His son was just like four years old. He comes out of the tub, nothing on but a sheet over his head, his arm going, turn my neck, turn my neck. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all we could do back then. We didn't have toys. Mama gave him a whoop and says, what are we going to do with mommy? Turn my neck. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we, you know, we've got so much to choose from now. It's come such a long way from what we had before because Doctor Who has just become this incredible phenomena. Uh, and, and just watching it evolve over the past several years has been amazing being able to walk you know we've gone from me as a kid just pining for doctor who toys and running around with a scarf my grandmother knitted me and a tire gauge for a car you know and now you can go buy a sonic screwdriver at the to local toys r us that's wild mm -hmm. 
So, with that being said, do we uh, do we want to give away a couple of classic Doctor Who figures? Yeah. I think we're going to have to come up with a really good question for this one. Okay. Um, let's see. You guys know your classic Who, right? How are you on the John Pertwee era? <laughs> I think I'm, you don't even get to play. <laughs> you just you just step outside, Out Mister. <laughs> and what about me? <laughs> yeah, you you also you absolutely disqualified. Um, <laughs> uh, John Pertwee was one of the few doctors who really got physical with his enemies. And he had a very specific mode of self-defense available. Sorry. And he's in Aikido. Sorry? And he's in Aikido. I'll take it. Good. Venusian Aikido. Very good. Would you prefer the seventh doctor or ace? Ace. <laughs> Boy, she didn't hesitate once. Six Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Do you want to do another trivia question? We got one more. We have a seventh doctor, a Daypole seventh doctor from 1996 to give away. You got a good trivia question. You got one? All right, let's have it. 1960s rock band that appeared in a first doctor episode. The Beatles. Yes. Congratulations. We're the proud they cut it out. They cut it out of the chase. On the U.S. Yeah. release. On the U.S. release. And they also cut out the music that the Beatles did. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they don't want to pay for that. They didn't want to pay for the licensing yeah, for I, I think that sucks. I mean, that's like... That's why I will never watch a DVD of Quantum Leap because they never got the rights to the music. He's talking about Quantum Leap now, so I'm going to go ahead and say, remember, you can go into the iPhone store, you can go into the Android store and download the Guidebook app. Once you're in there, look for TimeGate. Download that, rate this panel. If you had a great time, go in, give it five stars. If you didn't enjoy it, uh, never mind what I just said. Uh, I'm Phantom Troublemaker. This is Director Faber. Check us out on the ESO Network. Come up here and grab a card if you'd like to. Uh, My site, Needless Things, I review this sort of thing all the time. We have a table out there with all our postcards, all our information. Come visit us, talk to us. We get lonely. Well, he does, you know. And there you have it. That was the big toy panel from TimeGate. Uh, I've got to say, a crashing success. We had a decent-sized crowd. Everything went really well. Uh, me and Director Faber had a pretty good rapport. He filled in the details while I provided the razzle-dazzle, which is kind of what I do. Uh, it was an awesome time, and I look forward to doing it again. Uh, hopefully at Dragon Con, I'll be able to get in some more panels and have some fun there. But i got to say, I'm really looking forward to next year's TimeGate, where, where I hope to have even more of a presence. Uh, I have Needless Things t-shirts with the Owlbear versus Luchador design by me. I've got Needless Things podcast stickers, and of course I've got Needless Things uh, Phantom Troublemaker versus Zombies prints, 
by local artist and good friend Belligerent Monkey. Uh, none of that sold at Timegate because none of it had uh, Doctor Who or uh, Stargate anything on them. But I think uh, maybe I'll do a little bit better. I think I'll throw them up on eBay or something, maybe make them available to you people. But feel free to send me a message to Phantasmus with a PH at Facebook. Uh, send me an email at phantomtroublemaker at yahoo.com. Uh, find me on Twitter at Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, no vowels in Troublemaker. Just throw it in there and you'll find it. Uh, but let me know if you want one of those things and we'll figure it out. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. And you can also, beginning July 13th, you can find the Needless Things podcast live at Odin's Cosmic Bookshelf in Lilburn, Georgia. I have worked a little something out with the Odin's people, and we are going to have our very first live Needless Things podcast uh, in their podcasting room, uh, which has never been used for podcasting before. I'm going to pop that cherry. So I'm going to have a Belligerent Monkey on. I'm going to have official co-host Bo Brown on, hopefully uh, starting with that episode and with every episode thereafter. Uh, Bo will finally be a regular part of the show, uh, but it's going to be a good time. I, I'm not entirely sure what all we're going to talk about yet, but it's going to be good stuff. I guarantee that. We're going to have some giveaways. We're going to have some cool art from Belligerent Monkey. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff going on. And plus, you get to hang out in a comic shop. Who doesn't want to do that? And then one month later, on August the 17th, we will have our Big Dragon Con show. Uh, live from Odin's Cosmic Bookshelf. So check all that out. Follow me on NeedlessThingsSite.com uh, as Elphantasmus on Facebook and Phantom Troublemaker on Twitter. Uh, that's all I got for you today. Until next time, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, keep making trouble. That's a terrible sign-off. Uh, I'll come up with something better next time. Later. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.